anti-Semitic remarks. And welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast. We're climbing the rungs of cinematic connections. Each week we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. I'm Zach Brooks, and for the 186th time, I'm joined by... Brendan Fitzpatrick. Yes, Brendan's hippie square. Because Zach, I, I I will definitely do my best to cool it with the uh, anti-Semitic that is directed correct, uh, That was directly directed exclusively at you, yes, Brendan. <laughs> Thanks, um, buddy. <laughs> yeah, th- this might be, I think I've said this before, but this is one of the faster times that I have identified my opening quote. I, I think I, it's like the second line of the movie or something like that. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to go with, I have to return some videotapes. No, yeah. I did think about, uh, can Classic. you keep it down? I'm trying to do drugs. I, I love want, that one, too. Yeah, I didn't want some <laughs> AI bot to clip that part of my voice saying that, even though I just said That's it. Um, some uh, of us okay. are trying to do drugs. Yeah, trying to do drugs, yeah. So, uh, last week... We had Kevin Madeo join us, and we discussed Batman Begins, and this week, due yeah, to man. a rich Christian Bale connection, rich character played by Christian Bale connection, mm-hmm. we are talking about American Psycho from 2000, based on the Brett Easton Ellis novel from uh, 91. Yep. So another Why, Chris- does, why does Bateman wear the mask? <laughs> yeah, we will find out. Uh, that that might be a good title connection. I know you already you had a title connection as soon as we hung up last week. You already yeah. had it written down. So we'll, we'll uh, go. Yeah. Should be a short. It should be a short title connection segment. But you know, I don't know. That'll make we'll up see. for last week, which I know uh, Jim Crumley said that I was. Uh, I, I stretched funny. that out so long. He said it's I knew what it funny. was, and he stretched it way out. Um, yes. So uh, lots of. Even though we're we're saying no anti-Semitic marks, we are doing a movie about Christian. Oh, boy. So far. Yeah. Well, not all Christians are anti-Semitic. That's a no, broad I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there was religion, anti-Semitism, and Christianity. Oh, okay. I thought you were... No, I'm not. Wow. Wow, Zach. Then at the end of the episode, we'll decide in our next movie based on suggestions sent in by you, the listeners, and ones that we brought as your hosts. Uh, so we'll be spoiling American Psycho. If you haven't watched it yet, um, mm-hmm. you can stream it on Peacock. And it's nice because this is Peacock doesn't make it clear if you're going to have ads in the middle, if you're just going to have ads at the beginning. But this is one of those where it's like three minutes of ads. So get up, make yourself a snack, go to the bathroom, yep. and then it's commercial free. That was very or, nice. Uh, or no ads if you have the pre- Peacock premium like I did do for the next 24 hours until my <laughs> – so, so I have premium, but mine is not premium, no commercials. I have like um, the mid-tier premium. Yeah, I had the premium, no commercials. Oh, look um, at you. You're yeah. like – yeah, uh, um. Yeah, You're after rich like uh, Patrick Bateman. After they dropped Battlestar Galactica, I dropped them. So oh. there you go. Send them a strongly worded email about that. I did time. when I when oh, they okay. said, "Why are you unsubscribing from Peacock?" My reasoning in other was, "You got rid of Battlestar Galactica." <laughs> oh. Where did it go? They just dropped it off of the platform. So. Oh, okay. Nowhere yet. Yeah, it's out there. It's out there in the cloud somewhere. Okay. Somebody right. will pick it up eventually, hopefully, because yeah. otherwise, I mean, people are having. Trouble uh, hanging around down the hatch yeah. without it. So I think you can probably get the disc at the library, I would imagine. You can, yeah. 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 yeah so, yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll be spoiling uh, American Psycho, which you mm-hmm. can watch on Peacock or rent, get from wherever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but if you just want to skip ahead here, we're going to be watching next week. Maybe it's another American movie. Maybe it's another mm-hmm. Psycho movie. Maybe it's, maybe it's another Christian Bale. Maybe it's a combination of some of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can skip ahead. The timestamp is in the description of this podcast as always and as always we suggest that you pause this podcast go watch the movie come back and listen to us talk about it because it'll be a more rich and rewarding experience for your ears i think mm-hmm. yep uh so your feedback to us ratings questions comments at ladder movie on twitter and instagram uh the movie ladder gmail.com 
movie ladder on Letterboxd. And I'm not even going to mention that other. I remember the one week that I said you could follow thing? us on threads. <laughs> it's like, we have threads. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can follow us on X. <laughs> no, it's still Twitter. I'm not calling it fucking Twitter X. X. No, Twitter it's X. Twitter X. Oh, man. Um, yes. You watch all of our videos on X videos if you want. Yikes. No. Don't go to that on your work computer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, Breaded, how's how's uh, how's life? How are you doing? It's it's good. It's good. Um. So I know that there were two major releases this week that maybe we want to talk about a little later on. So I'm not gonna actually mention either of those as the best thing I watched this week. Do you want to just um, say which one you liked more? Which half of that portmanteau you liked which, more? Which half half of the Barbenheimer or Barbieheimer or I, I Hammer stuck to Hammer Barbie this time and then everybody just seemed Oppen like Oppen Barbie, I don't know. Yeah. But um no, I this is the thing is I definitely feel like I need to watch Oppenheimer again. Watching it on IMAX at the Alamo at seven o'clock at night was a real struggle just because I'm like I was I was getting real tired when I, as while I was sitting there for three hours, just like, and this movie keeps going and going, and I was having a great time. The performances are phenomenal, but I think I need to see it in a more optimal setting where I'm not so tired. Um, yeah, is it but, an is it an actual IMAX at the Alamo or is it just at the big, Alamo? Like, it's they call it the Big Show. I don't know. Oh, what yeah, that so means. That, that's that's yeah, what movie so, theaters do. They call it like Emax yeah. or something like that, but it's not actually Emax. Yeah, it's, it's um, but it was Dolby, which was cool. The sound was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I missed a lot of lines because there are a lot of lines to miss in Nolan movies now. Yeah. There were there were some like crucial plot like lines in that movie that are buried beneath sound. Mm-hmm. That like I saw a lot of people talking about afterwards. Okay, and I was like, okay, it wasn't just me who missed what the point of that thing was. Okay. But um I thought Barbie was really hilarious. Um uh, you're taking a, a long time to answer my question that was which did you like better? I mean, I still think that I like Oppenheimer better. Oppenheimer is the one that I'm instantly more interested in revisiting and yeah. seeing again. Um I already have plans to go take my brother to go see it in a couple of weeks. Um once uh, <laughs> once theaters start opening back up uh with cra- crowd wise because everything <laughs> is sold out. Are we right. in 2020 again? Once theaters yeah, no. open back up, well, like, I mean, like seat availability starts opening yeah, yeah, back up a little because it's like impossible to get ticket any decent tickets right now anywhere in DC. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely more excited to revisit Oppenheimer. How about yeah. you? Uh, yeah, Oppenheimer was much my preferred. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I am less in love with Barbie than everybody else, um, but I, I I've warmed to it and I've warmed to what it attempted to do. It just mm-hmm. it, uh, I had I had some problems with it. And uh, as a male, it is my duty to comment on my problems of, with Barbie, of course. Of course, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, That's I do actually point, think Barbie. Right? <laughs> it might, it might come up actually, but uh, could be, could be a suggestion for next week off of American Psycho. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of themes that are shared. But yeah, I loved Oppenheimer. Um, I would like. It's one of the rare times I want to go to the theater to see a movie again. But I do, I would yeah. do really want to go see it again if I can. Yeah, there, there are a lot of performances that, like, I was really, really captivated by. I mean, not to mention our guy, Killian Murphy, who we've talked about for the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, he's absolutely fantastic and deserves it whatever award nominations he gets, you know. Yeah, yeah, lots of lots of uh, active performances in both movies, I think, that could be nominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did throw a, a small bet down on Barbie to win Best Picture just mm-hmm. because I'm, uh, I don't know, I think it's it popular. Could. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, nobody would have thought everything everywhere all at once would win Best Picture a year ago. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we'll see. All right. Uh, do you want to quickly say the best thing you watched this week that wasn't yeah. Barbenheimer? I want to talk about a little known film, a little a film that came out this same week that while I went to see um while I went to see it, the entire rest of the theater was there to see either Barbie or Oppenheimer. I went to see Theater Camp on Saturday in the on Saturday at a matinee at the uh, East Street Cinema down the road and there were about a dozen people in the theater and everyone there knew exactly the movie they were there to see. And it was delightful, Zach. It was one mm. of them. Like, think about like Wet Hot American Summer mixed with like Waiting for Guffman. Oh, nice. Okay. It was hilarious. Uh, directed mm. and starring Molly Gordon and Ben Platt. Um, it basically follows a bunch of camp counselors at a theater arts camp. And their interactions with the kids, you know, hence the title Theater Camp. Uh, Not a lot of people are going to see this movie because it's been kind of buried by the Oppenheimer of it all. Even Mission Impossible got buried. Yeah, even Mission Impossible has been buried. But um, Theater Camp, I have currently on Letterboxd ranked above both Carby and Oppenheimer as my my favorite film. One of my favorite films of the year so far. That would um, make sense why it's your best thing you watched this week, then. Oh, I absolutely, I absolutely adored it. I mean, it has a couple of structural problems, but the performances are fantastic, and especially for, you know, a theater kid like me, a theater nerd, like every joke was just, just hitting. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, yeah, I, I absolutely, absolutely adored it, and hope more people go see it. So nice. Uh, yeah, theater camp out right now. Uh, Will probably come to streaming pretty quickly, just because I would imagine how so. quickly yeah. it's being buried and shuffled off of theaters. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, people should check it out. Yeah, um, I don't know. Hard for me to pick the best thing I watched this week, but I will. Uh, I will shout out Passion of Joan of Arc, which I know you yeah. and me and my brother all watched for Criterion Challenge this week. Uh, yeah. th- that movie was suggested a few weeks ago by Olin off of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So it's a silent film all about the trial of Joan of Arc, um, and it was made uh, nearly 100 years ago, mm-hmm. 1928, and it um, it's unlike any other silent film I've really seen because it wasn't that yeah. like slapstick silent film that I'm so, you know, that you're used to, like the Chaplin, mm-hmm. um, Harold Lloyd type. Uh, but it's, it was, yeah, it was just like very dramatic. It, um, it is very, there's like a ton of talking in it and only some of it is captioned it's or, captioned, uh, yeah. I guess, I don't know. Captioned. A lot of it is, like, um, title carded or whatever you call it. Yeah. yeah. I love, there's a scene where the judges all play a game. Like, I didn't, like before the game of telephone was invented, yeah. But like one judge whispers to one judge, and they whisper like along the line. Um, yeah. It's just like a, a very funny part of like a pretty dark movie. Um, yeah. I I called it grumpiest old men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, because yeah. they're all just so angry. Like if we would have done that, maybe we would have ended up doing grumpy yeah. old men. Yeah. No. I, yeah. yeah. No. It's um. Yeah. And it was a quick watch, and mm-hmm. you know, I I love going back to these movies that are like nearing 100 years old i it did make me think of a challenge that i maybe i'll try to do next year mm-hmm. um or maybe i'll just try to start it at some point but like going back and as early as a movie as i can find on like youtube or any of the streaming services doing one movie from every year up until 100 years before this year so like i think on letterbox oh you can go back to like 1890 something or 1880 something and they're just like these short little frames um right. but you can usually find it on youtube and then logging that, and making a list of like every year that I can find a movie for, and then stopping when I hit 2022 That's or 2023. Wild. Yeah, not 20. I mean, that, that would be a lot of movies, but you know, I mean, you would just one movie per year, 
up until I mean there are a lot there are a lot of those older ones gonna be short and then I got up to to 1923 and then next year I would watch a movie from 1924 oh and I then see. the next right. year okay, 1925 gotcha. like in as that long as I want to keep going but I, I, I thought always you were saying you wanted movie. to do a challenge where you watched 100 movies in a year and um no, I think some people would do that I want to start a challenge where I watch up to 100 years Got prior it. to the okay. year I'm watching from yeah. and then just move forward so you know someday in the near or the far far future I would do like a movie from 1984 in 2084 when I'm uh, 99 years old, that kind of yep. thing. Gotcha. That makes I don't sense. Know. So it just gave me an idea for a thing. I might try to do That's it. Funny. Um, yeah. So I like that. Um, and uh, Carl, it was Carl Dreyer week for mm-hmm. um, for Criterion. And I will definitely recommend to you and other people uh, or debt that he made. I watched that a few weeks ago for the Criterion okay. challenge. Um, very much a movie about faith, just like Passion of Joan of Arc. So. Um, nice. And I didn't think that it was made close to 1928. I feel like it was a lot. When was this? Yeah, 55. So it's almost 30 years after. So one of his older, older, later movies. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Nice. Um, and I know he's a big inspiration on. Um, I'm looking at his name. Uh, the guy who made First Reformed. Um, Paul Schrader. Oh, uh, Schrader. Yeah, 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 yeah. On that transcendental cinema that Schrader talks about. So. Uh, especially with first reformed. So that was where that was where our debt of initially got on my radar was he was on a film spotting interview and he talked about that as an inspiration. Got it. So, uh, all right. Well, shall we uh, be we hip? Yeah. Get into American Psycho. Yeah. Let's let's yeah let's, let's get into the Psycho uh, Killer. Carve it up. All right. Yeah. All right. So Brennan, uh, you've seen this movie a bunch, right? I have. I have. I mean, I first saw this movie at college. It came out. You know the. My freshman year in college, uh, mm-hmm. in the year 2000, uh, very much this a college was bro movie. This is very much a college bro movie. This is very much a like, look at how depraved this movie is. But this is also a movie that, in two, either 2001 or 2002, we actually like, it was screened in an American literature class, and we had to write a paper mm. on American Psycho, the film, mm-hmm. and. That was really, really interesting because, like, we delved into the whole, um, like, themes of the movie and psychosis and, like, basically you had to make the argument about whether or not Bateman actually killed any of these people or not. Yeah, that is the question that comes up at the end of this movie. That is the question that comes up at the end of the movie. There's a lot that leads you in either direction throughout the movie of... Did he kill anybody? Did he just mm-hmm. kill a couple of people that, you know, did he kill what, um you know, they would call in succession, no real person involved? Like, did he kill the homeless person? And that doesn't Did you count. notice who played the homeless person, by the way? I, um, I didn't. His, uh, his name was Al, by the way, not the homeless person. I apologize. I had to look it up, but I did I did write down his name. Uh, that's Reggie Cathy. Who oh, yeah. As Freddie from house of cards Ready from house of cards yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So. he did look familiar i just couldn't place him yes um we recently saw him this year in clear and present danger as well yes um but he shows up in different movies i think he's uh yeah he's he's in the new the newest fantastic four which we have not watched on this podcast but mm-hmm. he does show up in that but yeah he shows up in different tv and movies and he's yeah, just one of he's... those one of those great that guys yeah i mean this is a really great that guy cast i mean justin thoreau is here as you know one of Patrick Bateman's co-workers slash best buddies um, who ends up going to rehab and then popping back up at the end of the film, drinking mineral water and everybody's making fun of him. I mean, yeah. Thoreau, uh, Reggie Cathy also shows up in The Wire, too. He's uh, oh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Carcetti's yeah. um, yep. like campaign manager, I think. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah, Josh Lucas, Willem Dafoe, Jared Leto, Chloe Sevigny, uh, Reese Witherspoon in like a, I thought she was like a bigger actress than this part at this point mm-hmm. in time, but like really before Reese Witherspoon became like huge, big, famous Reese, Reese Witherspoon, she's got what's really kind of a nothing part in this movie as Patrick's fiance. Well, she's the girlfriend. I think she's like the, she's, like the second leading female in this movie. She's only um, in like three scenes. That's true. She's not in a ton of, but she does play yeah. a key role. Um, also, Matt Ross is in this, yeah. um, and you would know him as Gavin Delson from um, from Silicon Valley. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. That's so we'll get we'll get into. I, I definitely want to get into like, did it happen? What's in his yeah. head? Um, but I want to start with some other stuff first. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I so I have not seen this since high school. I definitely did not okay. pick up on as much of the satire when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so immediately when this movie starts, it's just like so off kilter, and everything is so like cartoonish yep. that it the satire I, I can't believe anybody would watch this movie and there are people who watch this movie that did not pick up on the satire it's almost like watching uh starship troopers and not realizing that it's satirical right. and it just hits you in the face i mean the satire in this movie just slaps you in the face especially the satire of patrick bateman of that kind of character that like mm. rich white harvard educated stockbroker lawyer type um white collar who just basically has a mental like, breakdown and kills a bunch of people. And then, you know, one interpretation is he does kill all these people and right. gets away with it because nobody, because he is a nameless, faceless stockbroker who nobody really knows who the real Patrick Bateman is. Is Patrick Bateman even his name? That's something that's debatable in this movie. Yeah. So I think we'll we'll talk about that. But the, but the, the satire, I think, is the part mm-hmm. of that this that I was so interested in. And the first yeah. half hour of this movie, maybe that first hour of this movie, I was ready to come in here and say five stars. I was totally vibing with what this movie was doing because I think satire is really hard. Um, I saw a movie this week that is very satirical. And I feel like when satire is surface level, I think I had the same problem with don't look up mm-hmm. where when it's, when it's that low hanging fruit jokes, right. It's, it just, it, it doesn't work for me because it feels lazy in this movie. I feel like, while it is low hanging fruit, like it's, you got to look at it a little bit deeper and it's not, you could watch this movie and not pick up on all the satire. You just be like, Oh, this is this guy who's like really interested in his morning routine and he's silly. But like, this is actually like poking fun at these people. The fact that this is, yeah. this is a movie all about toxic masculinity that's directed by a woman. Yeah. Um, and there's very, like you said, Reese Witherspoon barely in this movie. There's barely any female characters. And the ones who are, are usually used in physical situations. You know, the two right. hookers that he has sex with in films and the victims. So it's, it, I just think this is such a, this is such like a biting commentary. And it's so much more biting than I was expecting. Um, yeah. so much smarter than I was expecting. That's, that's the thing is that um, it's one of those movies where I know that I definitely, rem- you know, laughed a lot when I saw it in college and, mm-hmm. I definitely viewed it as a satire, as a comedy. And then as I've gotten away from it and not revisited it, like the discourse in my own brain about this movie, like turned a little bit and was like, I bet this movie didn't age well. Right. And so I was expecting to come into this, to read this rewatch last night, being a lot more critical of the things that didn't age well. But what I came away with was the reason those things quote unquote don't age well it's because they already weren't great when this movie was made. They were already things that this movie is actively making fun of us for allowing to be in the discourse and right. treat like it's normal. 
And the time period so works for that, right? Because yeah, this movie came out in 2000. The book was in the 90, in the early mm-hmm. 90s, and it takes place in the late 80s. It takes, yep. I think it was 87 because we have the Iran-Contra speech by Reagan at the end of this movie. Yeah. Um, and the fact that Reagan is speaking at the end of this, like Reaganism, Reagan economics, like all of that stuff is just so prevalent in this. So that 80s time period works really well. And I think, I think it, does too. It, yeah. um, it, you know, it works to look back on. They could remake this movie now. Right. They could. And I think it would be relevant and still have it placed in the 80s, because when you put something as a period piece into the 80s and you comment on it, you could see this stuff still exists. I mean, you think about just the in, the inequity and, um, you know, especially around covid and post covid yeah. and you know Trumpism, like there are there are ways that you can comment on that stuff that's going on now, but have it take place in the 80s. And I think it would be sure. really relevant. Of course, I say Trumpism and we have the name Trump. Yep. uttered at least twice, twice in this yeah. movie. Is Ivanka dining here? Yeah. What would she be doing? Dining I think it was Ivana. Yeah. Oh, Ivana. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Ivanka would have been very young when this oh, movie Oh, yeah, she would have been like 12. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, no, it was Ivana but, Trump. They, yeah, they but this said. is the thing is that, I, you know, I mentioned this to you last night in our in our chat as I was watching is I, um, I was like, I'm kind of shocked that an HBO or a Netflix hasn't tried to remake this as like a prestige limited series mm-hmm. but at the same time i think that's probably a good thing because they probably depending on the filmmaker and the studio behind it might try to make it as a straight horror drama instead of a satire. i don't think so no i, I can't you imagine I mean? that if and, they ever remade this especially now they would just want to i would just worry they would try too hard with the satire which again when you're mm. like it's it's for me and it might not be this way for everybody because a lot of people love barbie but for me and i was trying not to name it but all good man <laughs> but for me when it's a when a movie is satirical it it is such a fine line that it has to hit and i think this movie hits it i think starship troopers hits it mm-hmm. i don't think don't look up i don't think barbie hit it um now those, you know, Starship Troopers and American Psycho are both much older than the two movies I just named. And maybe mm-hmm. that's that distance from the satire. Maybe if I watch Barbie in 10 years, I'll think it's much more biting commentary. I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just think like I don't I, I can't exactly say what it is this movie it would makes for great podcasting. What it is that this movie did so much better on the satire front that worked for me, but I just think it was it wasn't so in your – it was in your face, but it wasn't in your face at the same time. It's self-aware. It's self-aware. That's the thing is that mm-hmm. the filmmaker and the tone of the film is self-aware about the subject of Patrick Bateman and his vanity and his hyper-masculinity mm-hmm. and his, you know, uber 80s machismo and privilege that he presents his character. And that's what makes it a good satire is that – the character takes himself 100% seriously, but the filmmakers are not taking the characters. They're making fun of him. The, the movie is making fun yeah. of him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and so, I, I think that don't look, I mean, they were making fun mm-hmm. of the characters and don't look up also. Um, but not. But, yeah, yeah, not the same. Not in a self-aware way. Not in a, yeah. And mm-hmm. the, the, the other thing that works for this is that they're not just playing on the Wall Street of it all tropes of the of the mid 80s but they are also actively playing to the commentary of the incoming digital age that's happening at the time in the mm-hmm. in the late mm-hmm. 90s early 2000s and then also commenting on film in general in the way that mm-hmm. film and media yep 
the the movie the movie is juxtaposed against both Texas Chainsaw Massacre at mm-hmm. one point and like eighties pornography films. Yeah, VHS porns. VHS mm-hmm. porn, and it's like, what makes this film, these types of films about serial killers, any different than? You know the the snuff films of the '80s. Mm. Oh, so you think yeah. it's commenting on slasher films in general, and then yes. those are basically violence porn. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tortured porn, violence porn. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I think yeah, I think that choice to have like yeah, the the violence porn and the porn porn as the two things, and then mm-hmm. you know that he tries to recreate that porn. You know, he basically recreates that porno scene with the two women. Yep, um, and then he recreates Texas Chainsaw Massacre with a literal chainsaw, where he's yeah. waving it around like a madman mm-hmm. and drops and, it down a stairwell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and even that stairwell shot, I can't tell you exactly, what movie, but it's like a very Hitchcockian shot, yeah. right? It reminds me of there's a shot in the first Mission Impossible where mm-hmm. you have like the the stair the like triangle stairwell. Uh, you know, uh, we also had that kind of stairwell to connect back to Inception too. Um, kind of a similar, a similar vibe with the uh, the never-ending staircase in Inception. Yeah, for sure. So, and, yeah. And what is it about Bale that makes him so like perfect for a role like this? I mean, okay, so I had yeah. a couple thoughts on his performance. Please. Um, the first is he's he's not very well known at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. this is two thousands. This is pre Batman, pre Terminator Salvation, pre him like blowing up. I mean. Right. At this point, you know, he had been in he had been in Newsies, right? And he did little he did the Winona Ryder Little Women in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. But that was the last like big movie he was in before this. Hey, that's you are erasing Pocahontas, my friend. The po- but that was that was a voice. It's animated. He's a voice. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um but yeah. Yeah, no, because you know, yeah, he had he had Newsies Empire of the Sun when he was younger. Mm. Um he was involved with Goldmine before this. That's true. That's true. Watched. But yeah, Megan the Librarian would not forgive us if we didn't yes. mention Bill Goldmine. Which yeah, um, but yeah, no. This was this was really kind of his breakout, and, and then we get like Equilibrium, Reign of Fire, Machinist, Batman mm-hmm. Begins. So that that's when we kind of start getting getting him in a lot more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but his performance. So there's two things I was thinking when I was watching this. One is that that character on SNL guy with a boat who shows up on weekend update yes. is so it's like the same, like it, it very oh, yeah. much, I don't know if it's based on Patrick Bateman, but this performance reminds me so much of what you see with that character, um, mm-hmm. that weekend update character. So I just, I wrote that down. I was like, Oh, as soon as I spotted like guy with a boat, I was like, that is exactly who this is. This is like yep. guy, yep. guy comments, you know, he's this, this really uh, insecure guy who's actually com- like compensating for everything wrong with him with yeah. all of these material possessions. Right. Yeah, I mean, somebody asked us in feedback, what's the point of the business card scene? That's the entire point of the business card scene. The business cards are a metaphor for mm-hmm. like their importance. Yeah, it's just in, a dick measuring like, contest. Yeah, it's a like dick it, measuring. You're just they're, instead yeah. of showing dicks, they're showing business cards. Exactly. I mean, and that's the yeah. that that scene comes early on, and that's that's around the time when I was like, man, this movie is not just like surface yeah. level. It's really getting some. It's getting into some stuff, you know, like the the way that he it drives him mad that somebody might have a better business yeah. card than him. Oh my god, it even has a watermark. <laughs> right. Um, so there's that. The other thing I thought of is. This performance reminds me a lot of Nicolas Cage. And I mm-hmm. could have seen Nicolas Cage in this role. And around 2000, I mean, he wouldn't have been. Although Patrick Bateman says he's 27 in this movie. Pat, Nicolas Cage would have been older in 27 and 2000. Right. But Christian Bale is older than 27. I, I got us. He did not look 27 to me in this movie. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he and was ma- what? He was 15 or 16 when he made Newsies in 91. So, 
Yeah, so he was born, I can tell you. I, he was born in 74. Okay, so um, yeah. Oh, so no, he's no, 74, he's so he's 26? Yeah. Wow. He's perfect age. That makes me feel very old because I was like, he didn't look old to me watching this. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's all the moisturizing and right, eye cream, yeah, that's true, and, you know, the yeah, I mean, he's got the concealer and the anti-aging age balm and, mm -hmm. the, you know. Yeah, it, my notes could have been very boring and I could have tried to write down like every product name that's oh, dropped and um, yeah. and like there are so many good lines. It's I was so glad that funny. I grabbed that quote early just because like there's a lot of there's a lot of funny stuff. I didn't take a lot of notes watching this because it was really funny just to like listen and like take in the dialogue. And so I, was, I didn't yeah. really want to like disrupt myself writing a lot of stuff down since I kind of knew what happens in this movie. Yeah. Um, so what's, what's your morning routine, Zach? Are you a, are you a face scrub guy? Are you a, no, I, uh, are you brush a my teeth? Do you, does your, does your toothbrush have the timer built in? No. Oh, mine has the two minute timer and it pulses every 30 seconds. So you do each quadrant of your mouth for 30 seconds. Um, and I am like, I never turn it off early. I always do the full two minutes. Um, yeah, look at you. Yeah. So um, that's the extent of my morning routine because I usually go to the gym in the morning. So I don't shower or anything before. And some days like today, I don't shower after. I'm still in my gym clothes from this morning. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I'm not around anybody, so I can do whatever you, I want. You would not, you would not get along with the uh, office types. And <laughs> no, yeah, no. This this movie did. I, I love how it skewers office culture too. Yeah, um, reminds me of Mad Men in a lot of ways mm. too, like the sexist office culture, and you know, just the locker room talk and the boys. Um, yeah. So I think like that stuff all works really well too, and I think the time period, like the fact that with some distance, we are now watching 23 years later, the interpretation of 12 years before that. So it's like a, a right. Russian nesting doll type thing where right. we can see what's aged from 2000 to 2023, but also what 2000 was saying had aged from 1987 to 2000. Yeah. And we get the giant, I mean, we get, we get the, you know, Zach Morris giant 80s cell phones, which <laughs> yes. like have been parodied and we're already like parodied to the nth degree by the time this movie came out. And mm -hmm. now even more so like they're like kids would, kids could watch this movie and go, what is that he's holding to his ear? Why does he have a walkie-talkie? Yeah. Well, and I just was noticing yeah. the TVs, right? And yeah. even in, even in 2000, the TVs might not have looked that jarring, but yeah. those tiny TVs in the living room, like, man, people had yeah. living rooms where their their TV was like the size of the computer screen. It was I'm like a giant box, yeah. Well, and that the screen itself was tiny, and that's tiny. like the center of the living room, right? And you look at the TVs we have in our living room now, and they're four times yeah. the size of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, that that stuck out to me as well. Um, I love the, all the foodie culture in this. Yeah. yeah we get that commentary I, on, like, have a, again, uh, something like lines I would have loved to have written down, but the names of all the dishes that they had. The yeah. Um, yeah. Throughout, it's just, you know, that yeah, skewering I have a, of, like. Yeah, I have a connection off of that that I wrote Yeah, down. I do, too. Like, yeah, I have one I wrote down very quickly. I wonder if it, I, I bet it's the same. Um, yeah. No, I thought that I thought that was all really good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah. And just, pops up. What do you What do you think of him? This is, like, a really under- Speaking of superhero actors, I mean, this is a this is a uh, really understated Willem Dafoe like performance. He's usually like the crazy guy in the film, and he's really just like the straight up, straight laced, no nonsense detective. And there's mm -hmm. actually a debate to be made that that character doesn't even exist and only exists in Patrick's head. Um, yeah, and. I actually buy that a little bit. So yeah. I can actually take both readings that Patrick actually murdered these people and then yeah. he didn't murder these people. But the fact that the detective just kind of disappears, like yeah. in midway through the movie, they have that meeting where they go and they have lunch, which it's weird that he's like and having he, lunch with, with a suspect or yeah, a witness. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
And just his behavior is off. Um, it is Willem Dafoe. But then he just, like, that character just does not show up again the rest of the yep. movie after that. Um, so in that sense, I could see that he that he doesn't actually exist. Didn't he play a detective in Boondock Saints as yes, well? Yes, and he's unhinged. Like, he's, like, oh, he dancing I around the crime scene. And yeah. yeah. I don't remember that movie very well. Um, I, I somehow, like, I definitely okay. mix up that performance in my head with this performance. When okay. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like Boondock, I do actually, now that you mentioned it, I do remember him being like really bombastic in that. Um, but I feel like Boondock Saints, American Psycho, and Fight Club all were like dorm room posters around this time. Yep. And they were all sort of, I mean, Boondock Saints to a lesser degree, but Fight Club and this film are both commenting on the like hyper masculinity and so consumerism. consumerism. Yeah, like, yeah, it wasn't called all that the stuff back then, but it is that same yeah, subculture. The, you know, yep. Yeah. Or I don't, I don't know. It's like made that same like personality trait. Um, and I think to go to Fight Club, I actually that was one of the things I didn't love about this movie mm. is it feels to me. So Fight Club came out, I think, two years earlier. I think Fight Club's yeah. 98. Um, and it feels to me that Fight Club had success. And then they said, what book can we do this with? And they found Brett Easton Ellis's book, which is pretty similar in themes to Fight Club. And the fact that at the end of this movie, we don't really, it's got an open-ended, it's got an open-ended, you know, what happened, what, what's in his head, what's not in his head. And it just, like, this movie felt so derivative of the Fight Club success that it, it definitely knocks the movie down just a little bit Mm. for me because it reminds me of, um, like all of those Matrix Esque movies that came out after the Matrix, yeah. right? Or like when one movie has success, and then all of these yeah. similar movies come up, you know, a little bit after that. Yeah, I mean, we talk about twin films or mirror films all the time. This is almost like a twin film of Fight Club. Yeah, but like I think that Fight Club came out, had success, and then they put this movie into production. I mean, right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this movie was already in production beforehand. It might be in the uh, in on the Wikipedia. But I, in my mind, that they saw how successful Fight Club was, and they said, "Hey, we gotta we gotta do another Fight Club." And this was this was the book that they chose to do like the next Fight Club. Um, yeah, I mean, I I trying to scan, but um, it it is interesting. I just I am trying to scan to see when they started, but I see David Cronenberg and Brad Pitt were oh my God, yeah. attached to direct and star initially. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, that's and then they made Fight Club. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it looks at least, least actually it looks like Cronenberg was dissatisfied with Alice's draft in March of '94. Ah, um, so yeah, so they started at '94. And then, um, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know when Mary Heron started working on this. Uh, yeah, in January '96, Mary Heron received a call. So okay, so I guess that wasn't. Yeah. Maybe it was, maybe it was greenlit a little bit quicker after the success of Fight Club. That might be what um, it was. Is that it jump started in? Yeah, Lionsgate yeah, acquired yeah. the American Psycho distribution rights in May '98 and sold uh, a bunch of ten million. So I so, feel yeah. like Fight Club. That, the fight being successful effect. is what kind of pushed this forward, but it had been in development for a while. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that, um, like, Leo was almost in this movie. Leonardo DiCaprio was almost Patrick Bateman. And huh, that he been interesting. dropped out. Yeah. I think he's he doesn't have that same, and, you know, there is a, there is a movie that's going to come up um, that he's in, but I don't feel like he has that hyper, he's too soft for this. Um, yeah. um, like I, I think, I think Patrick Bateman and the look of Patrick Bateman, like especially the scene where he's flexing in the mirror when he's having sex, oh, is yeah. just like not you need the right body type to be doing that and for that to really work. Yeah. And he's just like chiseled, you know. I think like you could have done this yeah, with Ryan Gosling. He's Gosling's got, he's got his Batman body now. Like he's yeah. got his Batman body. Well, he's, he's yeah, he's not as I think I think he got bigger for Batman, but yes, yeah, he is did, like he's yeah. in 
Yeah, he's in great shape for sure. This is literally his audition for Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I mean this probably. this this film is a very good is a very good like audition tape for for playing Bruce Wayne. Yeah. The multiple personalities, the wearing of the mask, the changing mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. you know the changing of one person one personality to another. I mean, it's you know. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very Bruce Wayne. Yeah, there's tons Batman. of connections to that for yeah. sure. Um, did um, you notice? So the see the hip to be square scene. He he kills, or at least we yep. see on screen as he kills Paul Allen. And I love the fact that we see Batman killing the Joker because yeah, Jared uh, that, Leto that is what is aged the, the best from this film is that is that Bruce Wayne slash Batman gets to kill a future Joker mm-hmm. and not just any Joker, but the Jared Leto Joker. So it's like doubly, triply aged well. That's true, because it is like the, it's also it is like Jared the hyper-masculine, Leto. it's like the toxic masculinity version. Well, a toxic masculinity version of the Joker. I guess oh, right. the toxic masculinity version is right. probably- But it's also the, like Jared Leto, who is like notoriously like a super creep. And mm-hmm. so you're getting the like satisfaction of somebody killing Jared Leto on screen. Yes, that's <laughs> so, true. So, you know. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So, what's your theory on the end? What do you What do you do? You think that these things happen? Do you think they didn't happen? So, the the thing that still confused me on this watch, and it and it really did at the time, but it really did more so this time is, I don't understand the purpose of the woman who looks like Eloise Hawking from Lost at the end in the empty apartment that he thinks is Paul Allen's apartment. Mm-hmm. I'm so confused by that scene, and I feel like if I unlocked what is happening in that scene, it would unlock whether any of this actually happened. Well, so my read on that scene is that, um, well, it's, this is the thing. You really can read this both ways. Yeah. I think there's a read on that scene where they discovered the bodies, and just like everything else, they just put a new coat Somebody of paint on it. it up. Yeah. Right? You, yeah. You, like, not only clean it up, but, like, there is a... There's makeup put over it. Like they just painted over the, they painted over the blood. They got the bodies out of there and they made it look like nothing was wrong. And under the surface, there was terrible things. Just like Patrick Bateman, where he just, he puts on his mask in the morning. He puts his moisturizer on and everything looks perfect. He's in his great suit. But what's going on under the surface is the psycho, right? So Mm. I think that that is probably the more interesting read on all of this. And that when he talks, because what confuses me is when he talks to his lawyer and his lawyer is like, I no, had Bateman's dinner twice a, with Paul Allen 10 days ago. So. And Bateman is a dweeb. You're not Bateman. Yeah. Right. And so, again, yeah, he keeps like. Call, what, Davis? He keeps calling him yeah, Davis. Yeah, he gets called by all like, these different names throughout. Different people call Smith, Paul Allen, Davis, calls him a different name. Hart, Halvestram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that, like, I like that I like that you can read it either way. Um, but, you know, is it that this guy is actually Bateman and he is this wimpy Bateman that they're talking about? We never see what the real Patrick Bateman looks like. Maybe the real Patrick Bateman is this like dweeby analyst who's not attractive and in his mind conjures up this guy, um, this guy Davis, or maybe he's David, you know, like there's, so I don't know. I think that's the other thing is like, that's the whole thing with the phone call to the secretary and then the secretary discovering his notebook full of drawings is that what this one way to interpret this is that the entire thing is just like a hallucinatory manifestation of what it's like to go through a midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. Like what your brain does when you're having a nervous breakdown or a midlife crisis. 
because you're having to keep up this appearance and this lifestyle. Right. And the stress and the pressure you put yourself on. And so everything, all of the bad things that happen in this movie are just his brain trying to cope with the mental breakdown that he's having. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways that that is manifested is in the notebook that the secretary discovers at the end where he is writing out all of his, like, frustrations and his, Mm -hmm. like, fantasies, but none of them actually happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and I I, that's probably the most likely case, right, right, that he's not, that he never did any of this stuff. In his mind, he's imagining that he's bringing these prostitutes home and having sex with them and filming them. But really what he's doing is watching that happen on porn, on TV, right? right? And he's watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. In his mind, he imagines that he's doing it, but he never does. And then maybe he has these drawings and these other things and never actually is, is doing any of it. The other thing is you have that scene where he brings the secretary home to, um, I'm sorry, her name is Jean? Jean? Yep. Yeah, Gene. Gene. He brings Gene to his apartment and they're listening to music and he's going to take her out to dinner. And I think all of that happened. And that's how she sort of first starts to clue on that there's something wrong with my boss. There's Mm -hmm. something going on with him. Mm -hmm. And so I think that all happened. But and whatever he was like, whatever affair he was going to have with her that night or whatever he was going to do got interrupted by the phone call from Evelyn. And he was like, you should leave or otherwise they're going to hurt you, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they I don't think that he was ever actually going to even. The, see, this is where it gets muddled is that it, does, it definitely does. That, is that I think that whole scene actually happened. But everything where he had, like has a nail gun and he's going for an axe and stuff like that, I don't think happened. No, and I don't think so, so either, because like a, for, for one reason, that's not how nail guns work. Like, when right, you're using a nail gun, you have to push it against the surface. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I was very queasy during that scene, though. Like, yeah, that, I don't get queasy watching. I was, like, just thinking about the nail gun. I'm like, if he uses it, just don't show it. Please don't yeah, show yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And then when he uses the axe, the tip of the axe is, like, this chrome silver. That's not, axes don't look like that. Even yeah, a yeah. brand new axe is not going to be, like, shiny and chrome like that. Yeah, Even Patrick Bateman's axe, who cares about how things look, is not going to be shiny like that. Correct. So I again I don't think that I, I think that probably those things didn't happen either. He's seeing them on TV, he's writing them in his notebook, mm-hmm. maybe both, maybe he's just imagining it. Um I also think if you go back to the laundry la- laundromat scene, yeah, where right at the beginning, right? Um now he does have sheets that the woman comments on, the woman that he knows comments yeah, yeah. on says What is that? Yeah. Yeah, what is it? And he says cranberry juice, like there is some sort of stain on the sheets, but I guess it could be wine or cranberry juice or something, like he says. But he's in his mind, screaming at the people who work for the laundromat. And same with but the bartender. actually, yeah. Right, like the bartender, he's like, I want to fucking kill you or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Or and when, he said, when he's having drinks and he says, I'm into murders and executions mostly. That, and what that he actually said is murders yeah. and acquisitions. But I love that line. Like, yeah, it's really good wordplay there because it does sound like you could you could hear somebody yeah. saying that in a, bar. And in a really loud bar like that and think they said murders and acquisitions. For sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, it reminds me of... Um, the Seinfeld, George is like the importer exporter. Um, yes. I can't remember, I'm blanking on the name right now. Um, oh, but, um, uh, Vandalay. Yeah, Art Vandalay. Vandalay. Yes. Yep. Um, 
the the scene where he does or doesn't kill Al, the Reggie Cathy character, like yes, again, I don't like, and I think that's why I like this movie so much because it's so impactful. Like that was a really emotionally devastating it scene. Really, I is. felt so bad for Al when he does that because Al thinks he's helping him, and then all of a sudden he gets stabbed. And whether that happens or doesn't happen, if it doesn't happen, that kind of takes away some of the drama. But in the moment when that scene happened, I just felt really awful for Al. Yeah, it is really awful. Yeah. So. um yeah, no, I, I was really impressed with how well American Psycho held up. And yeah, it was too. I think, like, I do think the Christian Bale performance, it's cartoony, and it's not really, I don't but feel like you get that. Yeah. Like, you usually get quiet Christian Bale. I don't think you get yeah. this kind of Christian Bale in other movies. I mean, what am I blanking? Yeah. What, what is another one where he's this out this there? This outrageous? He's, I mean. Like, Willem Dafoe, I mean, obviously, um, you get I mean, that. one I that might come up in connections, American Hustle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was trying to remember what his character was like American in American Hustle. American Hustle. Oh, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is like a solid, yeah, a solid film from this era. I think I like that there's, that you're going to, I think that you can take away something different every time you watch it as to mm-hmm. what happens and what doesn't happen mm-hmm. and how much of it is in his head. I know that there is a lot of debate between, you know, the filmmakers and the writer and audiences about how much of it is real and how much of it isn't. Um, and some of that we might get into in feedback, but... I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I think that when I watched it the first time, like my memory of it at least, is that I always came away from it, yes, he killed Paul Allen, but not anybody else. Mm. That was what I always came away from it with. I kind of, I mean, I don't know if that quite tracks with stuff, but but I do really like the idea that the woman who's selling the apartment at the end of the movie knows that murders took place there. And yeah. just paint it over it because, again, this movie is all about vanity and how things appear. And so, I thematically, I really like that. Um, well, I, I seems, think, like, she seems really shook when he mentions the name Paul Allen. And so, one of the things I thought about on this watch was is she somehow related to Paul Allen and covering up his disappearance? Like, did he harm himself? Mm. Did he? Because this was, you have to remember in the 80s also with Wall Street. People were, you know, having drug overdoses and killing themselves when their stocks went down. And like Wall Street bros were, you know, not immune to psychotic and suicidal behavior when mm-hmm. when things went wrong, especially given the prominent drug use that was going on at the time. So I think that one of the th- one of the ideas that or possibilities I came away with this time was that she was somehow related to Paul Allen and covering up him um, killing himself. Mm. I, uh, that, that's, I, I could see that. I don't think that's what's there, at least for me. I think it's like, I just keep going back to um, the business of being a real estate agent is mm. similar to all of these other professions where as a real estate agent, you you stage these houses. You know, think about like when you go to an open house, right? And the mm. house is has like the perfectly, you know, manicured house and it's got the wax fruit and it's like meant to look a certain way. But right. it's not, you know, it's like the, the model home type thing. Um, and another movie that satirizes kind of like suburban life and these kinds of things ha- in American beauty has that um has that real estate agent character um in the, mm. the wife in that movie. And I think of that, too, where she's, like, primping up the home. And, pr- and I, I remember she's, like, making herself look all dolled up. And things. it's the same type of thing where it's all about appearance. But what's actually under the surface in that scene 
is that murder is that a murder took place here and somebody is dead and murders have been, you know, all these bad things have been happening, but we mm. covered it up with a fresh coat of paint. And so I really like that no matter how it is that something bad happened in that apartment and they painted over it and they're just trying to sell it. Nice. Um, I think that fits really well. Uh, two other things I want to note before we move on to feedback. Uh, one is in that last scene. So Patrick gives that monologue in the, in the last mm. scene. Um, we get we have the Reagan speech on TV and right above Patrick's head or whoever this character is, whether he's Patrick or not, there's a sign that says this is not an exit. Mm -hmm. And I just think like that is purposely placed there. Yeah. Of course. And this breakdown that he's having these actions like he can't escape this lifestyle. Yeah. No exit. It's sorry. Yeah. yeah. Right. And he's saying the words he's saying he's you know, I didn't write them all down, but he's saying, you know, I want to inflict my pain on others, which I think it's pain. He means his like psychological pain. Like, yeah, of course. This, this terrible yeah. lifestyle that he's in that he hates. And he says, I want no one to escape. Mm -hmm. So whether he's doing these things or not, like he doesn't want to be the only one suffering. And he's not the only one suffering. All of these guys who all look the same, they all yeah. act the same, right? They, they're basically carbon copies. They're like that meme. If you ever seen that meme with the, the like 10 frat bros at the baseball game and it's like yeah. 10 white guys in, yeah. in a green sweater. It's like these guys are all the same. It's like that Jerry Seinfeld joke where he talks about why do men wear tuxes to weddings? And it's like in case the groom chickens out, then all the men can just step one over <laughs> and the next groom steps up. Yeah. Um, you it's, you know, these guys are all the same. And that's obviously what this movie is is saying. And that that's why like they're all these like comb slick back hair you know Justin Thoreau and Matt Ross and like they're all interchangeable yeah. except the Willem Dafoe character really. Yep. So. Yep. Um, yeah. No, I thought I'm super impressed with this movie. Glad glad yeah. with how it held up. Um, loses a little bit in the second half of the end just because it gets. Yeah. I mean, it gets it's not, too it's much into the slasher movie. stuff. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it moves it's away definitely from not a perfect movie. movie. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Should we get into feedback? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Um. Well, let's first do the uh, box office. I'm going to do that first. All right. All right. So this movie came out April of 2000, April 14th, that weekend. Uh, mm -hmm. Debuted at number seven in the box office. So yep. um, and it was at 1,200 theaters. So it was you know mostly wide release. Um, other movies in the theater at the time, Rules of Engagement was number one. <laughs> I don't know. Samuel L. Jackson is in that. And I feel like it's like a military drama, but I don't remember anything else. Yeah, that sounds right. I yeah, uh, 28 Days, Sandra Bullock in a um, rehab facility. Mm -hmm. uh, a movie I love, Keeping the Faith. You ever seen Keeping the Faith? I have. I That's the uh, that's um, Ed Norton, right? Yeah, Ed Norton and Ben Stiller. One's a priest, one's is. a rabbi, and they're yeah, in yeah, love yeah, with yeah. Jenna Elfman. Yeah, so that was number three that week. Aaron Ridiculous. Brockovich, number four. Uh, Road to El Dorado was number oh, five. Man. Yeah. Uh, I, other movies that's that an underrated animated film. I really like I've never seen that. Colorado. It's fun. That one. came up. Um, I think that probably came up after uh, what's it called? Uh, Sierra came Madre. Up, yeah, it came up a couple of times. It did. I think I suggested it on Sierra Madre. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other movies that we've done on this podcast. Uh, Final Destination yep. was in its fifth week of release. That was number nine at the box office. Nice. And High Fidelity was in its third week of release. Yep. And that was at number 11 in the box mm -hmm. office. Uh, American Beauty. Oh, see, maybe I should have been oh, saying that this movie is a twin movie with American Beauty. Uh, American oh, Beauty yeah. was in its 31st week of release. So this was the post-Oscars run. Mm -hmm. uh, that was at number 14. And I think that's it for movies that we've covered on this cool. podcast. Uh, yeah, at least in the top 20 or so. So, um, And yeah, did uh, what? let's see how it did this following week. I don't want to look. Uh, it never rose above number seven. It stayed okay. seven the following week and then mm -hmm. uh, and then dropped pretty, pretty significantly in its third week. So, yeah. I feel like this was a this movie was like a big boom to the DVD 
you know, when DVDs Absolutely, started coming yeah. out. I mean, this was like, this was one of those movies that like you would go find for seven ninety nine at Blockbuster a month after it came out mm-hmm. on the yeah. DVD shelf for sale. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, did you ever read the book? I never read the book. No. Oh. I'm kind of surprised. I feel like if I was your teacher, I would have made you read the book and then see the movie and then write a paper about the book versus the movie. I I mean, I could be I could be conflating that it wasn't a uh, literature class. It might have been philosophy. Mm-hmm. It might have because. The start no exit thing sounds familiar, so maybe it was maybe it was um psych one oh one or philosophy one oh one, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I know I read the book. I owned it. Uh I do not remember anything about it. But I, I remember I remember reading it. The cover is so um you know, the cover the cover really is like distinct. So I remember that. Um, but yeah, I would love, I think if I was going to go back and do like a film studies class, I would do a like book versus movie. Cause I do often like to read the book and then watch the movie. And yeah. I did that this week. I watched white noise after I finished the white noise book this week. And I had watched white noise earlier this year. Then I got the book from the library, uh, white noise. Another one that is satirical of eighties consumerism. Yep. Uh, would, if I hadn't just watched it, it would have been on my list for movies for next week. Maybe mm-hmm. it'll be on somebody else's. So what did you think of white noise? I was, um, I, li- I liked it the first time I watched it, but I was very confused by a lot of it. Yeah. The book, I liked the book quite a bit, and then I liked going back to the movie after reading the book. Huh. I think the movie is a lot better having read the book. And I think the themes of that, like much like American Cycle, the themes are really, really good. It's got some great ideas in it. And I just mm. think the execution, especially in the second half of the movie and the book kind of falter, especially the last couple of chapters of the, of the book. It's like, it, the book, especially the last couple chapters, are very strange. In the movie, they change some stuff, so it makes a little bit more sense. Um, and that and that closing credit scene is so good in the movie, though. And that's not in the book. They can't put that in the book. But um, yeah, you get Andre three thousand dancing in a supermarket. It is hilarious. Yeah, really love the ending. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, it's a, it's. A, I would recommend the book movie pairing if somebody's looking for something to read. Nice. So pretty quick read. I um, I read it in three days because I had it to back to the library and I had it sitting on my shelf and I was like, all right, I need to finally dive into this. That was what I did all weekend. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, Olin kicking things off and he says, happy that I agreed Susuito would be the Phil Collins song to copulate to. Oh, Susuito. Thank you. Susuito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've heard that song. I had no idea that was the name of the song. And then. Uh, when yeah. I read it out of Michael Plot. This is oh, we didn't even talk about the soundtrack, dude. Yeah, I figured the soundtrack I, of this movie I, I wanted great. to. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I love the soundtrack. Do you think it was interesting that the only female artist that he references is Whitney Houston? Whitney Houston, yeah, it's a yeah. little weird. All the rest are male bands. I think that's intentional. That it's all, you know, the the, the masculinity in this is that like he loves these male bands. But they're and, also like faux masculine. Like they're male artists who were made fun of for not being rock stars they're yeah, like they're not macho, they're not they're not, they're not macho for sure they're not yeah. macho rock stars they're mm-hmm. like easy listening rock stars mm-hmm. yeah nope you that's know. definitely true yeah um yeah is there anybody um any artist that you think could have fit in that they didn't pull for this book or for well, this i mean you could get some peter satara action in there you know okay. um yeah. any anybody of that ilk um you could have gotten some talking heads in this i think Oh, talking about, yeah, that would have fit. Um, to and tie back to Fight Club, I think we could have had some meatloaf in this. Yeah. Like that yeah. operatic. Um, yeah, that would have worked true. really well. All right. Back to Olin's email. Sorry. Yeah, one Olin. line into it. TMI with that copulation music by Olin. Uh, <laughs> he says, I only know one other Huey Lewis in the news song, and this one sounded instantly recognizable as being uh, them. Very samesy. Yeah, there's also, yeah, I, mean, they a, have I don't know what it's, Power of Love. Yeah. I'm sure you know that one. Yeah. Olin. All right. 
uh, we were trying to work through the Empire Top 100 list a few years ago. The amount of films centered around toxic masculinity really wore me mm-hmm. down. And I discovered many directors whose work uh, regularly based around such themes, both those championed almost universally, aren't really my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is the Empire Top 100, is that a list of CDs? or is that a Empire list of- Magazine, yeah. Yeah, but is that music? No, that's that's movies. Empire Empire Magazine list of top 100 movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking about this music. All right. Because uh, he I transitioned do... from music to talk to Yeah, to I just, I, for some reason, <laughs> I, I didn't, I've never heard anybody talk about the Empire top 100 list. I'll have to look at what's on there. Uh, Owen continues, I do think the female direction helped a bit with the take here. Our mm-hmm. main characters ending up as a sweaty, useless mess who never gets the recognition his vanity desired was better than getting celebration of notoriety. Uh, anyway, seeing that both the director and the original novelist state all murders did happen, I'm happy to harden down on my interpretation. There were no murders. Oh, oh and always swim in the opposite direction. Exactly. Uh, it was just the fantasy of a useless yet successful Wall Street trader who spends his working days living through the fantasies that he doodles in his otherwise empty schedule book. Uh, feel how many scenes are edited, particularly with the cop showdown. We're, to, we're too fantastical to be anywhere near realistic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just to just to echo on to that, there is the scene where he's up in the apartment after that shootout, and the oh, it is office. The, yeah, yeah. Or is it his office? But the it's backdrop building, yeah. out the windows looks yeah. like it looks like the Batman backdrop. Like it's like yeah. clearly animated. And I was like, was the whole was the skyline always this animated? Because I felt like it was more realistic usually in the background. So I think that's a clue also that these things are happening yeah. in his head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I definitely like. I don't really and like actually with Owen, yeah. Yeah, I don't really like that the director and novelist came out and said that it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I don't like I don't like when they do that. I don't like when creators give a definitive answer and then mm-hmm. come and like be more like Nolan, be like, I don't know, what do you want it to be? Yeah, did the Dreams are amorphous. What uh, do you want it to be? <laughs> you know. All right, Owen. Owen finishes. He says, anyways, was okay. Uh, do you enjoy it? How uh, vacious? What is it? Vacious. Vacious. Vacious and useless, a lot of Wall Street can be, with after being established. Everything is based on perception rather than production. Yep, I think I agree with him on that. Success pretty much boils down to how much their almost homogenous business cards differentiate. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. that's very well put all around feedback from Owen. Um, I do like it when when Owen, uh, you know, has a different POV. uh, But this one I actually agree with. I think that the... You know, I, I think that the creator, I'm not going to tell the creator they're wrong about their own I mean, maybe it's intentional. Maybe they're trying to misdirect. Um, yeah, I mean. And maybe in the book it is one. I, I would like I would like it if in the book it's one way and in the movie yeah. it's a different way. I think that's interesting. That'd be interesting, yeah. Yeah. So Owen gives it a three out of five. Nice. All right. Uh, Ron says, probably one of the most interesting respins of a classic movie around Bale really nailed the look of Insanity 2. What is the business card though? Four <laughs> stars. I think we talked through the business card pretty well. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's basically the um, the business cards are a metaphor for their ego, their masculinity, and their dicks. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you could even make a, yeah. a you know, you could make a version now that's not even like a business card, but is you know, Instagram profile or something. Yeah, you know, exactly. You could very there, easily. Yeah. Ooh, that actually just gave me an idea for a movie yeah. to add to oh, my man. list. All right, uh, All right, four stars from Ron. There you go. Cool. All right. Um, oh, you gave me a short one. Alex O says, so entertainingly and skin-crawlingly weird. Three and a half. Yep. Yeah, I, I have to throw you a bone every now and again, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Yeah, no, I think uh, 
I don't. I mean, I didn't think it was skin crawling. Like I, I was cracking up. I, I mean, actually, there's some I, uncomfortableness with some of the like violence, like, especially with Al and the violence towards yeah. women. But yeah, um, I liked seeing the Joker get killed. That was good. Was, I, I didn't mind it's that. It's beautiful because because yeah. it's like I like it's so it's become so memeable. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely love the moment after he kills Paul Allen mm-hmm. and like just plops down on the couch and lights up a cigar and flips his hair back. Yeah. Like he's just completed like a massive physical accomplishment. It's like, whew, what a day, you know? What do you think of the significance of the name Paul Allen? Because he is uh, the owner of the, uh, or not the owner of the Clippers, but he's, that's, uh, yeah, I can't remember the name of the guy that owns the Clippers, but he was one of the founders of uh, Microsoft with Bill Gates, the name Paul Allen. I don't know. I think it's just a catchy name. For a oh, it's got a, it's Steve Ballmer is the owner of Clippers. Uh, no, or I think it's intentionally. I think Paul Allen is an intentional name because they founded Microsoft in 1975. This movie mm. takes place, and maybe, maybe he invents Paul Allen. Maybe when the the lawyer says he had been had lunch with Paul Allen, maybe he means the Paul Allen of Microsoft. And this version of Paul Allen didn't exist. There is no Paul. There is no Pearson. There is no Paul guy Allen. who looks like Jared Leto named Paul Allen. That's a, a, but then what, and well. that would make sense with the detective who's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if the detective is made up, Paul Allen is made up. Yeah. Right. And because actually, Paul Allen being, I mean, that that is a name of a semi-famous person at the time. Yeah. Um, especially oh, man, in 2000. It's a, Paul I mean, Allen is a metaphor. Yeah. And it's 2000, you know, that's right after Y2K. Like, I don't oh, man, remember if there were, there were really computers in this at all. Did we just crack this wide open? It could be. I mean, that name Paul open. Allen has always stuck out to me because it is the yeah. same as. I mean, that'd be like having a character in your in your movie named like Elon Musk or you know maybe not that big of a name, but That's like a. a catch. I never thought. I never yeah, knew. Or that. like a, maybe if it's like a character named Mike Pence, right? So it's <laughs> not Trump, but it's it's like the number two. So. Right, right, right. Gotcha. All right. Uh, Jim writes in and says, "American Psycho just doesn't work for me. The themes of the themes of the movie are hammered away." at so clearly but they still don't land Mm. maybe the power of privilege was just too depressing there were some good scenes and performances but overall it's not worth revisiting two out of five from jim okay Um, i'd be curious if because that's the problem i have with some of these other satirical movies so i'd be curious i don't remember what jim thought of don't look up and i don't think he's seen barbie yet so i'd be curious what he thinks of those if he thinks if he thinks that this is too hammered away at clearly how he feels about those, but maybe Jim and I just have different takes on what we like in satire. Could be, could be. Mm-hmm. All right, Stefan closes us out and says, uh, each time I see this, I appreciate Bale's performance more and more. Mm-hmm. At first, I thought he had a bad American accent, but he was just very, a very, he just has a very deliberate way of speaking and moving, yep. and it works for the character. The very famous supporting cast deserves all the flowers as well. Three and a half out of five. Nice. That's uh, going to be a 3.2 overall from the listeners, though, Pat. Right. Sadly, uh, we do not have Megan Librarian or any of the female listeners to <laughs> write in. Yeah, so yeah, this Toxic yeah. Masculinity movie is just a bunch yeah, of guys yeah. giving their feedback on it. Yeah, I did not get I did not not get the um, you know, obligatory what the fuck you know, text message from Jenny the music teacher. Well, there's good music but in I this imagine movie. it's probably coming. Well, there's great no, there's great music in this movie. <laughs> That's All very right. true. That's very true. I'll, All right. I will um, kick us off. Yeah, go for it. All right. Four and a half. I, I really nice. was delighted for this. I'm higher than the listeners. Um, I don't know. I think this just like I was totally vibing with this movie. There are parts that made me squirm. There are parts that made me laugh. I just think like it got an emotional response in many different ways. Um, it loses a little bit just for being too derivative of a fight club and a little bit for the end just kind of getting muddy. 
Um, I just wish like that shootout is so cartoonish. I almost wanted to watch yeah. that shootout again this morning, but I didn't get around to it. Um, at the end, and when they when he's like trying to put the cat in the ATM or whatever the hell yeah. he's trying to do with the cat, like and then just he gets... just shoots the lady on the sidewalk. Right. It's like yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. I'd also be curious. The movie that. the movie changes tone at that point so immediately that it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. That like the movie needed an ending, so they had to have him have a mental breakdown. At that yeah, point. they just it does like, feel like it just kind of wrapped. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a, I, I disagree with Jim. I think this is a good one to revisit this late yeah. because you get that Russian nesting doll of a of a time capsule within a time capsule. Yeah. And I sure. would recommend it to people. So yeah, four and a half for me. Uh, I'm gonna go slightly lower than you, but higher than the listeners. Um, I'm I'm like right at a four with this. I probably was a four and a half or a five, visiting you know watching it in college. Um, I I think that the movie still has lost a step or two over time. But the performances are fantastic. You know, not knowing who Justin Thoreau was in 2000 and then getting to watch Justin Thoreau now in this well, we film. We did have Justin after, Thoreau in yeah. Romeo Michelle's. We did. But yep. that which was before this. Yeah. But, I mean, it's nice. It's nice to, like, revisit an actor whose career you appreciate now who mm-hmm. you didn't know who they were when For you sure. first saw them in a thing, mm-hmm. you know. And But I'm going to go with a four. Um, I think I think we've had a great discussion on this, and I think that um, – a movie like this is really fun because there's so many ways to interpret what happened. And I don't think that there's a wrong way to interpret the events of this film. You know what I mean? No, I, I like that you really can take it either way. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I think that's a, like, sometimes it's kind of clear one direction or the other, even if it's left open. And I think like we had the same discussion about uh, Inception where you can take the ending For sure. uh, either way. All right, uh, that's going to give us a 3.9 overall, which we will round up to a 4 for letterbox purposes. Nice. So, boom, there we go. Yep. All right. Uh, getting into connections. Oh, Hero of the Movie. Um, yeah. You, you can go first with your Hero of the Movie. Uh, I'm going to give it to our female director, uh, Mary uh, Mary Heron. Yeah. Nice. We'll give it to, I'm going to give it to Mary Heron. I think this is a, I think this is a really well-directed movie. I mean, I think she does a great job, especially given the subject matter and the, you know, hyper-masculinity of all the male performances. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope she had a good time making this movie. Um, I'd be curious to hear an interview with her about the making of this movie. I mean, since then, it seems like she has, um, she has a type that she likes because she did an Anna Nicole, I don't know if yeah. it's a narrative or a documentary in 2013. This is a narrative film. Mm-hmm. Um, which didn't get great reviews. Uh, she also did one on Charles Manson in 2018, yep. which also didn't get great reviews. So she hasn't really had a hit since American Psycho. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I don't know, doesn't look like 2018, I think, was the last movie. Oh, no, she did Dolly Land in 2022. I do remember hearing about Dolly Land when that came out. Was, yeah, that was good, I think that yeah. probably was, uh, it was not suggested. I, I watched that, that, actually. I think I yeah, you haven't logged that. it. Oh. Uh, there, there is a Dolly Parton documentary I watched. Like. No, this is Salvador Dolly. Oh, yes. I thought it was Dolly Parton. No, <laughs> I Dolly. Dolly Parton. Yeah, it does sound like Dolly Parton. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a uh, 2022 called Dolly Land. It's a, uh, Salvador Dolly, which I'm surprised didn't come up after Midnight in Paris. Ah, uh, sure. And uh, speaking of problematic males uh, who are superheroes Dolly. in the DC universe, Ezra Miller is in this oh. movie. But he has a, he's not. He's just like a small role, it looks like. He plays okay. uh, young Salvador Dali. Ben Kingsley plays old Salvador Dali. Well, well, who's your who's your hero in the movie, Zach? Um, I'll give it to Christian Bale. There I think go. like he uh, he just he he's the perfect level of like cartoonish and serious. Yeah. 
And um, yeah, I think really good like fucking that, actor. I mean, yeah, and like that scene of him flexing in the mirror, like that's that has been burned in my mind since I saw this in high school, and it's still yeah. burned in my mind. Yeah. Um, For me, it's the um, peeling off of the like porous skin mask thing that he does. When yes. He, yeah. After he takes a shower, that's mm-hmm. the one that like lives rent free in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, that's and you know really good. That's a really good connection to last week. Even if that's not yeah. where we're gonna go with title connection wise, like you know Christian Bale, like he's wearing that metaphysical. Why mask does he wear the ma- metaphor- Why does he wear the mask? Is a good connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even even though we didn't do Dark Knight Rises, we didn't mm-hmm. have that begins, but no. Right. Um. um yeah. Right. No, I think that's, that's, uh, uh, connections to last week. I mean, yeah. we we pretty much hit on it with you know the Batman and the you know Patrick Bateman pretty much you know is a proto bruce if bruce wayne went bad like evil bruce wayne yeah, yeah. evil bruce wayne i mean yeah we have a, mm-hmm. we have detective prominent detectives you know we have all sorts of things uh gotham is gotham is a nickname for new york where this takes place mm-hmm. oh yeah that's a good point um I mean, we, yeah and we talked on jared leto um mm-hmm. jared leto and all yeah and i think i mean we don't get really like we don't get any like i was thinking if there was any like like origin story for Patrick Bateman. We really just kind of jump into Patrick Bateman. Yeah. So, um, yep. cool. Yep. Uh, what do you think for a title connection? You had one. What was your one from last week? I'm Bateman. I'm Bateman. I, I just think that's, it's so simple and that's great. It's so uh, simple. It's so perfect. A Bateman yeah. is, yeah. yeah. I think, I think we give the listeners one quick one this week and we just yeah. go on Bateman. I, th- I think we're good. Yeah. I mean, I do like, why does he wear the mask? But you know, it's, uh, yeah. 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 I'm, ba- I'm Bateman. That's works. a subtitle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, so connections to earlier this year, I had a big Leo pointing at the screen moment right yeah. at the beginning of this movie. Did you also have that one? Uh, well, we have Reese. Nope. Uh, all right. Have, let, have, let, let me start. Let me start. Two different references to Les Miserables in yes. this movie. We the have one the, the poster. The poster that's in his apartment. And then he talks about going to a matinee of Les Mis. Yes. So there you go. Yes. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I love that Les Mis came up twice, but that poster, I was like immediately, two minutes uh, into this movie, I'm pointing yeah. at the screen. I'm like, oh, Les Mis poster. Yeah. Um, and you cast- also see a French flag um, out, hanging in a hotel, um, hanging on a, off of a building as he and Evelyn are driving down the road on the way to dinner. You see yeah. a French flag. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody references their cousin from France. I didn't write down who it yeah. was, but just to Midnight in Paris and all the French movies that we did. Yep. Um, and then three cast connections. Chloe Sevigny was in Shattered yep. Glass. Matt Ross was in 12 Monkeys. And Reggie yep. Cathy was in uh, Clear and Present Danger. And Reese Witherspoon in... Uh... Oh, wait, that was last year. Never mind. Yes. <laughs> Wild wow, was last year. Yeah, we did have Christian Bale. Wait, no, in... Wild was this year. Oh, you're right. Yep, yep. Reese. Yeah, Reese yeah. and Wild. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, we also had a uh, narration, which we've had a lot of uh, narrated films this year, uh, mm-hmm. including uh, Into the Wild with all of the written and vocal narration. Um, what else? And I, well, I do uh, think there's some like that societal commentary that we get yep. in Into the Wild, like that yep. the escaping Into the Wild versus the like just accepting being like cookie cutter and out of the box. Same with uh, the inventor is like, what is the real? Who is the real, um, oh, what's her name? The inventor. Elizabeth Theranos. Who's the real Elizabeth Holmes and who's the, you know, who is this person she's presented? Yeah, Mm -hmm. like it's, um, there's also like movies based on books. We've got a lot of movies based on books this year. Forrest Gump, Clear Present Danger, et cetera. Princess Bride, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, Um, Pollock is an artist and we have Patrick as Patrick is an artist in his sketchbook or whatever you want to call it. 
Um, and Christian Bale, this is the three-timer club, I think, for Christian Bale. Batman Begins, Prestige, and American Psycho all this year yep. for him. Um, yep. uh, four with Newsies. But yeah. Oh, and Newsies, yes. How could I forget? So four Thank timers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel so, like we're forgetting one, but we'll get, you know, maybe not. Um, uh, that's all I have written down. Okay. Uh, um, all right, movie map. Uh, it, I mean, for me, I, I mean, Summer of Sam. You mm-hmm. have a serial killer on the loose in New York during a cultural revolution. You know, that one happening in the 70s, this one happening in the 80s, where, you know, people are getting accused of different things and lots of drugs and, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's Summer um, Sam. Yeah, mine <laughs> is The Family Man. We have this, Ooh. like, high this you know high-rise new york executive rich new york executive i said that the the performance reminded me of nicholas cage and then yeah. he kind of has this other version of himself that he whatever you want to say whether he imagines it or experiences it um in the family man uh but other can other times when this movie has come up so episode 96 this was one i was thinking about a lot if we had a movie atlas serial mom felt like this was very similar to serial mom uh latanya suggested this off of serial ah, mom. good one Yep. Uh, Summer of Sam, your movie map. You suggested this off of Summer of Sam. Makes sense. Yep. Uh, Yeah. And then Batman Begins uh, last week. Whose suggestion was this? Uh, Was it mine? No. Was Um, it not mine? I thought it was mine. Last week. uh, I should have had this up. Pretty sure it was yours. Yeah, it was yours. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, only those few times that it's come up. Nice. All right. Um, One last thing. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, Zach, did you know that there's a sequel to this movie? Uh, I did see that on Letterboxd. It's called American Psycho 2 All-American Girl, directed by by a different Morgan Freeman, which connects it to last week. Morgan J. J. Freeman, which is the Uh, only reason I made this my my, my last name. That's very funny. It's because of the the other Morgan Freeman. Uh, Starring Mila Kunis and William Shatner. William Shatner? Um, Yes. Let Let me give you the rundown here. Uh, angrier, deadlier, sexier. Rachel is a criminology student hoping to land a position at a te- as a teacher's assistant for Professor Robert Starkman. She's sure this position will get will pave the way to an FBI career, and she's willing to do anything to obtain it, including killing her classmates. The school um. psychiatrist, Dr. Daniel, becomes a Becomes aware that Rachel is insane, but Rachel is skilled at her dangerous game of death and identity theft. I can't um, believe they made a rhyme to end the plot summary. <laughs> death and identity theft. That's great. Um, very <laughs> I'm funny. not going to watch this movie. Um, yeah, I'm good. Well, maybe. He, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll be doing it next week. Yep. Nope. Uh, Morgan J. Freeman, I do very much like. Poor. That's like the. Um, why should I change his name? He's the one who sucks. Yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. 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 So, uh, yeah, my one last thing. I was going to talk about the music, was my one last thing, but we talked about it. Uh, so the Dorcia, the call when he's making the, yes. the reservation for Dorcia, I thought was very funny. It's um, very funny. Where he's right, like, so Gee, you picked the place. And then she's just staring. And I actually like totally identified with Gene in that moment because I'm like, mm. I've been in those situations where you're like with people and they're like, I'll pick, or you're like, you know, you're with somebody else and they're like, all right, where should we go? And you're just like, all right, I got to pick a place I want to go to, but it's going to be like that you're going to appreciate and you're going to like it. Um, and it's always hard. And then she just like totally picks the wrong place. She picks the place they've been making fun of. Yeah. And then when he calls them and they're just like, we don't have all any reservations. Right. And he's just <laughs> pretending. And then she calls him on his bullshit, which shows that she's actually like very bright. Hey, she's the one who cracks this, right. That she's paying attention. Yeah. And she's like, 
she's like, you never gave your name. And he's like, oh, they know me. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, uh, I, and I'm sure, like, obviously, Dorcia, like, they looked, you know, I love that they looked down on this restaurant, Dorcia, but Dorcia is packed, right? Everybody's there. Yeah, yeah. They're such uber snobs that even the most packed restaurant in town, and the restaurant that we see him go to when he goes with Paul and for a meal is like that Mexican restaurant. Texar- Texarkana. Yeah. Texarkana. Looked pretty good. I would have yeah. gone there. That looked fun. I would have gone there. I would have done some Texarkana. Or uh, what's the other one? Crayons, which I thought was a hilarious parody oh, of, a, yeah, a, of a stupid, fancy, a stupid, uh-huh. fancy, bougie. Yeah like restaurant like yeah we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna let adults come and draw on our tablecloths like like they're like they're five-year-olds oh man. we're gonna call it crayons yeah <laughs> um no that's yeah that's I, like that kind of stuff is very funny and i it's just very, wish it like stuck more to the to the satire towards the end but yeah. still great movie held up for me clearly held up for me better than it did for everybody else because yeah, i have the highest sure. score same so, all right uh well with right. that why don't we see what we're gonna watch next week next week yeah yep all right uh, this will be episode number 187. Should we do 187 starring Samuel L. Jackson? Um, that movie's actually like pretty okay. Okay, oh, pretty movie. okay. Sounds it's good. A weird movie. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. So all I know about that movie is that a friend and I, when we were younger, whatever year that came out, like 95, so we were 10, yeah. 11 years old when that movie came out. Um, I should look. When did 187 come out? Uh, whenever that movie came out, we tried to sneak in. We bought tickets to something else. And tried to see it. 97, so it's 12. We tried to sneak okay. into 187 and got caught very quickly. Oh, maybe I'm thinking so. of a different movie then. I'm thinking of Room something, something, something. With him oh. and John Cusack. Oh, Room 1407 or something? Oh, like that. that's what I'm thinking of is Room 1407. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just called 1407, actually. Uh, 1408. Is the name that's of what it is. Yeah, yes. yeah. 1407 that's was the Sam Jackson movie I'm thinking of. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a 2007 movie with John Cusack. Uh, Samuel like Jackson that. also in that one. No, yeah. 187 is... Uh, that is a well. See, it's what's coming. Here we go. Uh, it's Clifton Collins and Samuel L. Jackson in that, and it's a cop movie. Uh, when a student writes the police code for homicide one eight seven inside their textbook owned by teacher Trevor Garfield, he feels threatened. Uh, the principal well, dismisses the incident, but soon after, Trevor is stabbed by the same student. I don't think I've ever seen that. No, oh, well. yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, if only we could connect to one eight seven. Why'd you go to? Why'd you try to go see that? Because uh, it was an R rated movie, and we were twelve years yeah, old. Fair, it's fair enough. Great. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I think it's like a, in the realm of dangerous minds, probably. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, all right. But uh, unless somebody suggests 187, we'll see. <laughs> I think we're doing that one. All right. All right. Uh, let's figure suggests, it out, Yeah. Mulholland Drive basically feels like the startup West Coast female version of American Psycho. Themes of false memory, mental breakdown, character swaps, immersing oneself in song. The symbol of Wall Street, of the Wall Street mogul of New York is replaced by the L.A. symbol of Hollywood and the work of an aspiring actresses mm-hmm. and directors. Both films open to viewer interpretation. Oh, and Justin Throw happened to be in both films. Would you believe I've never seen Mulholland Drive? Oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, it's I've seen it a couple of times and I never understand what the hell is. Going yeah, on. That, that's kind of what's kept me away from it. Is yeah, I mean, it's, it's, everybody always talks about how it's so like incomprehensible. Well, the thing with one eight seven or well, Jesus, the thing, with Ma, <laughs> the thing with Ma and Drive <laughs> is um, it's the one eight seven. The what I've heard, I don't know if this is an urban legend, is that it was a TV pilot and it wasn't picked up. And so they just released it as a movie. And so the reason why it doesn't make sense is because there was going to be a TV show. Um, Interesting. Yes, yeah, so I don't know. Lynch stuff never really works for me. Yeah. But, uh, all right, next one, Sweet Home Alabama. A successful New York business person, very focused on how they present themselves, becomes engaged. And things start to unravel with a dark secret leading to further problems down the line. Reese Witherspoon is one of the engaged couple, and Josh Lucas teams up with her again. Yep. Yeah, yeah it's a um, rom-com, right? 
I think so. I would imagine so. Uh, also, you know, music, song Sweet Home Alabama. So there you go. Uh, and trading places, the satire on the American financial industry, albeit mm-hmm. largely based in Philadelphia, deals with the theme of whether someone is successful financially based on their ability of their environment. Patrick Bateman's gaggle of work colleagues really reminded me a lot of Winthrop's young working friends who form a lovely singing quartet. Yep. Uh, trading places, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Ron, the big short, Christian Bale and investment bakers wreaking havoc. Yep. Yes, I did think about that. Satirical, obviously, too. Um, Mr. Brooks, not mm-hmm. me, but the movie. Uh, serial killer and assumed identity. Yep. And Fight Club, Jared Leto and a business card. Yep. Yes. Um, and just the lots of connections to Fight Club. Lots I kind of forget Leto's in that movie. Yeah, because um, he doesn't look like Leto. That's why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like he looks different in every movie for me. Mm. Um, Alex O, two other films with disturbed characters, Nightcrawler or Misery. Mm-hmm. And I think Misery was a book to book to screen. Misery too, was, it? and Misery Misery is a good connection actually. Okay, I don't know if I've seen. I have not seen Misery. I was okay. confused Misery and now 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 with that that one. Um, oh, uh, uh, River uh, the Deliverance. Yeah, Deliverance. I always confuse those. I have seen Deliverance. Uh, and more with, seen. more films with American in the title, American Graffiti. No longer uh, a blind spot for you, right? No longer blind spot. That would be that would fit into the um, period piece with it, like like the Russian nesting doll of a time period mm-hmm. within a time period. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jim, how about another brutal film of the millennium American movie? American History X is set on the opposite U.S. coast with the opposite class of people and comes at its subject more directly, nicely contrasting with American Psycho. I don't think Edward Norton has ever topped his performance in American History X. Interesting. Yes. Hmm. Uh, I do love him in Primal Fury, though, but that yeah. was really. Yeah, so. Primal Fury is yep. outstanding. All right, Stefan, uh, with Olin on Sweet Home Alabama, Witherspoon and Lucas, with uh, Ron on Fight Club, mm-hmm. with Jared Leto gets taken in by weird dudes. <laughs> I like that as a title connection. Yeah. And then uh, this is one I thought about, but I didn't put it on my list. An American Tale, <laughs> similar t- title and takes place in New York. Much darker than the what I remembered of. American nobody, Tale. N- nobody wants to hear me sing the American Tale song, but I will. Yeah, somewhere out right. there. Um, yeah. I've seen American Tale: Fireville Goes West way more than the original. Oh man, American Tale. good one, good one. Yep. So, all right, you get to all go right. first. I get week. to go first. Yay! Yeah. Um, Happens well then, every I'm, other just gonna, week. I'm just gonna go ahead and take one off of your list and take the menu. Okay. Yep. That was uh, the that was of, the one I thought of. Yeah, bunch of bougie rich people. Getting their comeuppance, um, satirizing yeah, foodie culture. Satirizing, um, whew, there's several ways to go here. Uh, I'm gonna go with another film. This it's set in New York in the '80s that involves drugs and the Wall Street industry. Uh, starring Michael J. Fox, Secret of My Success. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I'm going to go with another one about a bunch of investment bros and hyper-masculinity. Uh, start Ben Affleck and a who's who of that guy's boiler room. Vin Diesel. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, Giovanni Ribisi. Oh, right. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, he was the uh, actoral answer today. Indeed. Uh, I am going to go with just straight up Psycho. Interesting. Okay. Two. How many is that? One, two, three, four. Yeah, seven, you can four. do. You, I have a ton on my list, so keep going if you want. Um, hello, Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. What's that about? Henry? Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer is about that... a serial killer named Henry. 
Oh, okay. But it's not based, is it based on, based a, true on a true story. Yeah. Okay. We do get mentions of a lot of serial killers in this. Starring um, Michael Rooker. Yeah, Ted Bundy and Ed Gein and yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to remember if Ed Gein showed up in Mindhunter. Yeah, uh, no. Ed, the, uh, Ed Kemper shows up. Ed Kemper is the one. Um, and then let's go with Christian Bale on the hunt for a serial killer. Uh, this movie's on Netflix, came out last year, The Pale Blue Eye. The no, Blue Eye? One yeah. eye? Okay. Yeah, just one eye. So you had Psycho Henry before sure, serial killer and The Pale Blue Eye? Yep. Okay, cool. Um, you didn't that? take that many off my list. Uh, I think that's six. All right, uh, first one that came to mind, uh, another satire with Reese Witherspoon. Maybe we talk about her a little bit more next week yeah. if we did this. Uh, election. Good one. Love Reese. Yes. Uh, election is very good. It's satire of the political system, although it takes place in high school. Um, another dark comedy that I'm assuming is satirical of high school life. Um, this one came out in the 80s. That's Heathers. Yep. That's a really good Christian thing. Slater instead of Christian yep. Bale. Yep. Good connection. Um, let's see. Uh, American Hustle. We talked about that earlier. Yep. Christian Bale in an American movie. Um, I haven't seen it since it came out in theaters, so I couldn't really tell either. you much about it. Another one I haven't seen since it came out in theaters came out around the same time, Wolf of Wall Street. So we talked about Leo. in the, And I do feel like the Jonah Hill character is like when they talk about um, – when they talk about Patrick Bateman as like a dweeby guy, like he could look yeah. like that Jonah Hill character. That's kind of what I imagined when they said that. So uh, Election Heathers, American Hustle, Wolf of Wall Street are my first four. Um, I, have, uh, I have so many that I could choose from. So I married an axe murderer. Um, nice. We have an axe murderer in this, axe murderer in that. Um, I don't think that's satirical. I think that's just straight comedy. Yeah, it is straight comedy. <laughs> and um, I don't want to waste a spot on my list, so I'll save this for honorable mentions. But I do have a funny one that connects to one of the ones that you have. Nice. Um, let's. So David Cronenberg was supposed to direct this, and he didn't, which I didn't know that when I put this on my list. But yeah. there's a movie by him uh, called Cosmopolis, uh, Cosmopolis. Cosmopolis, I think is. I'll have to learn how to pronounce it. C-O-S-M-O-P-O-L-I-S. Robert Pattinson plays a billionaire riding around a limo, and David oh. Cronenberg directed it, and I guess shenanigans happen. It looks like a serious movie. It's Cronenberg, so it's going to be crazy. So, Interesting. All right. Uh, I will make that um, my sixth. I mean, you know, I, I, my thing with Cronenberg, um, and body, his body horror. I, this thing, didn't but, look like this was bo- – this sorry. looked like this was more the psychological Cronenberg than the body horror Cronenberg. Okay. Sorry. Uh, uh, what else you got in? Uh, mention. So I had this is one I added when we were talking, but I ended up doing yep. it. Not okay. That's the one. It's come up a bunch of yes. times about the woman who goes to France and there's a terrorist yep. attack, and then she has to keep posting like she's there. Yeah. Uh, taxi driver for. T- I just didn't want more. Yeah. Like, I, it's too too much taxi Too much. Uh, the lighthouse, Mister Nobody, were also on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, Zodiac. And I almost did go Wall Street instead of Secret of My Success. But I thought about Wall Street. Giant you know, cell phones is a good connection yeah. to that. Uh, Natural Born Killers in terms that of – That was on my list too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gaslight for Toxic Masculinity. Uh, Clockwork Orange for Toxic Masculinity. Company yep. of Men for Toxic Masculinity. Uh, so I've said Toxic Masculinity like 10 times. I had Psycho 98 on my list, which I thought would have been kind of funny. Oh, you had man. Psycho. That yeah. was the one I didn't end up putting. Uh, the Machinist because Christian Bale and Reggie oh. Cathy's in that. And then I did have Barbie on my list because I think Barbie is actually a very good connection off of this movie, but I just, I don't want to, um, I don't want to talk about Barbie. There's other parts. Bye Barbie. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Ronnie Root, we got right. uh, Mulholland Drive, Sweet Home Alabama, Trading Places, The Big Short, Mr. Brooks, Bike Club, Nightcrawler, Misery, 
American Graffiti, American History X, Sweet Home Alabama, Fight Club, and American Tale, The Menu, The Secret of My Success, Boiler Room, Psycho, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, The Pale Blue Eye, Election, Heathers, American Hustle, Wolf of Wall Street, So I Married an Axe Murderer, and Cosmopolis. Zachary, you get to go first this week. Ooh. Oh, man, I wasn't even really thinking about what I wanted to uh, what I wanted <laughs> to pick. All right. Um, I kind of feel like we did Reese Witherspoon wrong this week. So, And I've never seen Sweet Home Alabama. I'm not sure if I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, so Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, a collaboration between Stefan and Olin is my listener pick. Nice. Oh, I mean, how can I not pick Mr. Brooks, the movie, the movie well, day, it's that not good. shares a name with one of my podcast co-hosts? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I got to go with Mr. Brooks for my listener. I didn't know Christian Bale was in Mr. Brooks. I guess I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, that's fair. Have you seen Mr. Brooks? I have not. I don't know what this is. Uh, I don't think Christian Bale's in it. Yeah, Kevin Costner is in it. Um, I don't think Christian Bale's in Mr. Brooks, is he? No, I don't. I didn't see it on his list. I'll no, like, it's, just, it's just a serial killer. Yeah. Um, and assumed identities. Yeah. I don't think Christian Bell's in it. Um, no. Um, but, No, it yeah. does not look like there's any cast connections to Mr. Brooks. There's right. a guy named Michael Cole in in <laughs> Mr. Brooks. Do you think it's the Michael Cole from WWE? Oh, man. Um, all right. Mr. Brooks is your listener pick. Okay. Uh, off of your list, uh, the menu. I've had the menu on my rewatch list for a while. Um, I know I should pick something I haven't seen, but I don't know. I, I, I immediately thought of the menu with this, and I think um, it's um, – I'm sure it's still on HBO Max – or max so i'm between two on your list and that is american hustle and wolf of wall street and mm. both have both are both have been on my rewatch list i think i want to go with american hustle because that's one i have never rewatched since i saw it in theaters and wolf of wall street i've seen several times yeah i think um, American Hustle is one that kind of came in well. Like, it was up for a bunch got, of awards, but you never hear people talking about it. Because it really got overshadowed by Wolf of Wall Street, which came out the same year and, mm-hmm. you know, is the much more well-regarded film. People sort of make fun of American Hustle. And yeah. I I, wanna, I would be happy to revisit American Hustle. Um, yeah, no, and the uh, I also think the other thing with American Hustle is like the fighter is another Christian. Like I feel like they were back to back years when Christian Bale was in movies that got a lot of Oscar buzz. Yeah. And both of them kind of disappeared. Like the fighter is the yeah. other one that I always associate sure. with American Hustle. Um, all right. What was the, what was the one? Oh, Mr. Brooks was the one you picked. Yeah. Uh, sweet. So we have Sweet Home Alabama, Mr. Brooks, the menu and American Hustle. Yeah. All right. Sweet Home Alabama uh, is streaming some places. Um, Paramount Plus. Uh, no, close. Uh, Hoopla. And Hulu. Okay. So, oh, Melanie Linsky is in this. That's why Olin suggested it. Ah, gotcha. Yes. Uh, a lot of other, actually, really interesting cast. Uh, Mr. Brooks is Probably. not streaming anywhere. <laughs> That's a bummer. And it, oh, actually, it looks like you can only get it on Amazon Disc. So Okay, uh, so we're not doing Mr. Brooks. <laughs> yes. so I was going to throw Can Mr. I pick Brooks something else from the list? No, I mean, if you um, want to, or, yeah. The menu, whatever. I believe, is still on Max. Yeah. Can you believe it? In the same year, we had HBO Max renamed to Max and Twitter renamed to X. Ugh. So stupid. Uh, and American Hustle is uh, streaming somewhere. Uh, also on Max, probably. Netflix. Oh, man. All right. Uh, oh, speaking of toxic masculinity, Louis C.K. is in American Hustle. I totally forgot about oh, that. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. 
Uh, all right, so are we going to throw out Mr. Brooks, or do you want to replace it? You can replace let's, it if you let's want. Let's throw out Mr. Brooks. Um, yeah. We have three day. good contenders otherwise. Yeah, I mean, Sweet Home Alabama would be a complete change of pace. We've we've give, re, given Reese Witherspoon her flowers this year with Wild. Um, so at that yeah, just like in this movie, impetus. we didn't really. No, we didn't. But she's, you know, she's good in this movie as, like, the annoying girlfriend. Like, she's really, she's a really good actress. I like Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I would be much more interested in revisiting the menu or American Hustle. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Um, sorry, Reese. Kick to the side once again. All right. So we're down to the menu, which is on Max, or American Hustle, which is on Netflix. Um, yeah. I'm, I think. Go ahead. I don't know. I can go either way. I, I remember very little of American Hustle. I don't remember what the hustle is. I think that they do something of some sort. I don't sort. remember what the hustle is either. I know they're uh, wearing they're all wearing fur coats at one point. And, you know, something about don't put metal in the science. Yeah, I remember them walking in on a on a uh, tarmac as well. Yep. Yeah, I think the fact that neither of us remember this movie and it was up for a bunch of Oscars. Um, I just think, like, that feels like a blind spot, uh, even though we've both seen and it. And I already have the title connection for next week, too. I, I mean, say it Christian Bale's American Adventure. No, it's American Bale. American Bale. Oh, that's good. Like yeah, American like Nail, American Bale. Yeah, no, I, I got it. Um, yeah, so this was nominated for was nominated for a bunch of things. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Original Screenplay, Best Costume Design, Best Film Editing, Best Production Design, and it lost all of them. <laughs> But it was nominated. At least you were invited. Most of them, most of those losses were to Wolf of Wall Street, right? Uh, let's see. This was the 2013. Was I think yeah. Wolf of Wall Street was the following year. Um, same year. Because Twelve Years a Slave the- won Best Picture. Uh, Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club won Best Actor. Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine Best Actress. Gravity. No, Wolf of Wall Street was also nominated, but didn't win any of these. Gotcha. Uh, Gravity was Alfonso Cuaron uh, was Best Damn. Director. Jared Leto Best Supporting Actor. So there's a connection there for Be- Dallas Buyers Club. Peter Nyong'o won. Her won Best Original Screenplay. Twelve Years a Slave Best Adapted. So nice. Um, no, I don't think. I actually don't think Wall Street. Uh, I don't think Wolf of Wall Street won anything. Just scanning yeah. through real quick. No, it did not. So wow, if you haven't got, uh, but yeah, American Hustle led the way. American Hustle and Gravity both with ten nominations that year. Wolf of Wall Street wow. with five. So who knows? Maybe we'll be doing Wolf of Wall Street in two weeks. Yeah, it might be. It might be. Uh, all right, American Hustle on Netflix. I'm here for it. Yep. Um, we will be revisiting be that. Yeah. And uh, so once once you do watch that movie, send in your feedback at Ladder Movie or the movie ladder at gmail.com and let us know what you think of the movie, all the performances. Did it deserve to win those Oscars it didn't win? I know. And what should we watch the following week? Whether this, it's... Uh, this, is, this is my second pick in a row. This never happens. Oh, wow, look it's at you. You're on a little this bit of a you're, Maybe you're the... Maybe you're hustler. Maybe I'm the American hustler. Yeah. Maybe I had this planned all along. And... I mean, with this cast, there's lots of different directions that we can go off of American Hustle. So. Oh, wait. American Hustle was your pick. <laughs> never mind. Ooh. <laughs> was it? I don't remember. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wasn't paying attention. All right. Election, Heather's American Hustle. Never mind. All right. American Bale. That's maybe our title connection. Write that in the next doc, Brendan. All okay. right. Yeah. Okay. Next week, doing American Hustle. Brendan, what do you look forward to watching this week? Oh, boy. Um. Oh, boy. Is there anything coming out this weekend? Um, not. I don't really have anything on my docket, actually. Um, yeah, I can't think of a single thing other than uh, uh, there, there is a new episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds this week that is rumored to be the much uh, much anticipated and much asked for musical episode, mm. 
where uh, there will be lots of singing and dancing. So mm-hmm. uh, that that's going to drop tomorrow. Very much looking forward to that. Nice. So there you go. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I had stuff on my list as well, and I don't really know what I have to I watch. Take a break, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like I've been. I feel like I have been watching a ton of movies with Mission Impossible movies and Christian ba- or uh, yeah. not Christian Christopher Nolan movies. Um, but I am up to for the ladder library ladder challenge. You have to watch the biggest blind spot of the oh, of your yeah. favorite actor. So I'm going to be watching The Man from Otto. I think with Tom Hanks, uh-huh. um, with my most watched actor, yeah. I, I believe. Um, and yeah, I don't remember what else. So other stuff. And now that I'm saying that, I feel like Samuel L. Jackson was who I had to go with, and I don't know why I put Man from Otto on my list. So uh, <laughs> ignore all of that. Probably because you thought T. Hanks was your. No, I don't know why I put it on this list. I this is not interesting to anybody, but um, mm. I don't know. All right. Anyways, I might be watching a Man from Otto at some point, um, and other things. Nice. All right, uh, Brendan. Anything to plug? Podcast-wise? Uh, yeah, so just dropped into the podcast feed uh, this morning our coverage of Season 3 of Star Wars Rebels over on Poster Recaps. Rich, Mike, and I are having a lot of fun on the road to Ahsoka. We are now officially, uh, today is July 26th, so we are now officially one month from Ahsoka premiering on Disney+. Plus. Uh, very exciting. Um, we're all excited. I uh, hope people are going to check it out. Uh, yeah. Other yes. than that, um, yeah, no, not much else. Cool. Uh, how does Ahsoka drop? Are they just doing one episode at a time, or uh, I believe they are doing what Disney has done lately, and the first two episodes will be premiering on Disney. Just burn through all that content because we have so yeah. much content that's going to be coming. I know, uh, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I don't have anything to plug. So, um, except that I'm going to watch American Hustle, and we're going to talk about it next week. So get that feedback in probably next Tuesday again. I know we've done Wednesdays the last couple weeks. Probably back to Tuesdays next week. So, Sounds all good. Right. All See right. everybody next week for American Hustle. Don't put metal in the science oven. Now who's the master? The painter or the forger? I literally remember like nothing. It's the only line movie. I remember for the entire yeah. movie. It's the only thing I remember. Yeah. I believe uh, Jeremy Renner is in this movie and he's like, never mind, we'll figure it out. I don't want to. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's I funny. Believe yeah, I, gives, I believe it gives somebody a toaster and they're like, or a microwave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they're like, don't put metal in it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know why I said it. So that was a different challenge where I have to watch a movie from an actor that I like. And that's where I got Mr. Uh, a Man Called Otto. From. So maybe I'll watch that. That's for my that's for my honey I shrunk the watch list challenge, just to give Jim some anxiety as I'm talking about different movie challenges. Um all right, why don't we talk about uh, Barbenheimer. Yeah, Barb no, I don't I don't have anything to talk about. I feel like we talked about everything. Right. I mean, yeah. what, what do you do you have something you no, want to say? Good. No, I don't have anything else to say. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people from both films are gonna be nominated for awards and that's gonna be great. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well we gotta do our reviews before we get out of here anyways, but um yeah, if I, I would love Robert Downey Jr. to be nominated. I'm sure he will. Be. I would. I think he was yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I I'm I'm bummed that Barbie did not work better for me. Yeah, I, went, I was I really high. I just had really high expectations, really high hopes because I love Greta Gerwig movies, and I know a lot of people think it's a masterpiece. I just think it was like it just took the low hanging fruit every time it could. 
Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's shitty to say, but that's just how I felt. Um, but Oppenheimer, I think, is like phenomenal. And um, your, your opinions really are yours, models. and you know that's yeah. my you know my my one complaint about Oppenheimer is the same complaint about every Christopher Nolan movie, which is that there are a couple of key lines that I absolutely just missed that were mm -hmm. important to the plot because they were covered up with freaking sound, and yeah. it's like I didn't understand what the mar what the whole deal with the marbles was on the desk, and apparently there's a line that oh like, yeah is just buried but mm -hmm. he's sound that explains the marbles and i'm like well i wish i wish i could have heard that goddamn line yeah you gotta you gotta watch all the marvel cinematic universe movies and exactly i need that. the marvel cinematic yeah um <laughs> marvel yeah, no. is coming to you soon from mattel yeah the marvels exactly. uh, uh no i uh i had the same problem with the sound i agree but i mean and like you know, you know like it's, yeah it it's they say that he mixes his movies for the theatrical experience, but we were both in theaters and had problems hearing. So yeah, it's no um, because it's freaking Nolan. It's like you know, well, he wants his movies to be immersive, and they are. But this was such a talky movie; it needed a little bit more clarity. Um, it'll be interesting to watch this with captions. I, you know, I had the same problem with Tenet, which is a very confusing yeah. film. I do feel like with Oppenheimer, I learned a lot about both Oppenheimer and about science. Like, and oh, how for were. sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea that the hydrogen bomb was different than the atom bomb. It, I just thought they were And that the it same. was all being developed at the same time. Mm -hmm. I also didn't know that a lot of the, like, scientists in this film were all, like, contemporaries of each other. Like, I had mm -hmm. heard of Niels Bohr. I had no idea Niels Bohr was looked in, like, like the same... Huh? Looked like Kenneth Branagh? Yeah, looked like Kenneth Branagh and was there at the same time as Oppenheimer. Um, yeah. I really, um, really love the Betty Safdie performance. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I, I like, heard on a podcast that he's only acting and he's not directing movies anymore, which makes me kind of bummed. I because I, yeah. I really like their. I think the Safdie brothers are great together. That's a bummer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I laughed so hard at the senator from Massachusetts line. Oh it yeah, was yeah, so yeah. Cheesy. Like the yeah, it's. I mean, we talked about the Leo Pointe gif earlier. It's yeah. literally there to make you think about the movie JFK. And yeah. just go, oh, it's so sad. Well, and just to like tie it, he says, he says the senator from Massachusetts. And I was like, oh, yes, JFK. And then he goes, John F. Kennedy. And I was like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> Which I do feel like that joke is like, that's kind of how I felt about a lot of the jokes in Barbie. Where yeah, like, yeah, 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 I get it. I get, I get it's what you're a hat on a hat of the line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you could have right. just said the young senator from Massachusetts. And right. And we would have, we would have, yeah. we would have known. Yeah. All right. Should we get into some reviews? If we lost, then we lost. We probably should have done this first, but sorry for any spoilers for Oppenheimer and Barbie. Uh, I don't think we really spoil anything. All right. Uh, this is from Issy. American Psycho. Look, I know this might be fairly controversial, and I don't want to upset anyone. I just think that this app is a place that I can express my opinion about film, and I really hope you agree and take my words with appreciation for freedom of speech and simple conversation when I say Patrick had the nicest business cards anyways. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, that's, I, that's I love very, I'm like, oh, man, what's he going to say? What's that's a good Bateman and Switch. That's a good yeah, Bateman and Switch. Bateman and Switch. Very nice. Yeah, you should comment good Bateman and Switch on that on that review. Uh, that's from Missy. All right, this is from one of my friends on Letterboxd, Melissa, um, who yeah. is like an internet friend. I don't really, I've never met her or anything. But she gave American Cycle five stars and says, satirical masterpiece, endlessly quotable, funny as hell, soundtrack rules, and pa Christian Bale gives a phenomenal performance as Patrick Bateman. The ending is perfection. Gum yeah. would be perfection. Uh, fun fact, I wrote a 10-page paper back in college about this movie discussing white-collar psychopaths. I got an A. <laughs> nice. You think That's Melissa awesome. was in your class, Brendan? Doubtful. <laughs> she did better. She set the curve. Yeah. Um, all right. Sri says, five stars for the brutal murder of, br brutal murder of Jared Leto. 
Yeah, there you go. That nice. review contains spoilers. Uh, <laughs> that's what it, that was. It was the spoiler tag. Uh, Lauren says, yes, Patrick Bateman is an awful, terrible person who for, who kills people. But don't you know what he doesn't do? Let his friends get away with making anti-Semitic remarks. Yeah, there you go. Boom. Yep. Yeah. Also, and, uh, he's very supportive of uh, Justin Thoreau when he comes back from rehab. You know? And when they're snorting sugar together. Yeah, when they're snorting coconut powder. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Persia says, Dorcia was the real villain all along. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And then comments say, true. Nobody goes there anymore. I agree. Real. Should have had more tables. SMH. <laughs> so good good comments to go along with this review. Go. So, all, right. all right, man. Uh, I think that, that, that probably just about does it for me. America, uh, American Hustle next week. This is American, American Cycle. Hustle. This is a little... The American to American next week. Next week, next USA, week we do the hustle. USA. Yep. 